everyone. Uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host D-Blex Lesalon. In this new episode, I'm so excited to be speaking with Kaluki Paul Mutuku. Kaluki is a Kenyan-based young climate advocate and an environmental defender working to champion meaningful youth engagement for climate action. His background is in environmental conservation and natural resource management from the University of Nairobi here in Kenya. He has experience in community organizing, climate communication, campaign coordination, environmental education, among many areas. Previously, he worked with 350.org Kenya for the Decolonize campaign. He is a trained environmental educator with Aroka International under the Education for Sustainable Development, uh, ESD, and a digital storyteller. His key focus for Africa is on land restoration, reforestation, ecological farming, and youth leadership across the spaces. Kaluki dedicates part of his time to uh, green treasures farms where he seeks to intensify environmental sustainability by engaging rural communities in Kenya uh, to protect their biodiversity, uh, grow organic food, grow trees, and build sustainable communities. He also hosts an environmental blog to foster environmental action for all. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something. Karibu, karibu sana. Good morning, Deblex. How are you? Fine, thank you, my brother. A very, very happy new year to you. And a happy new year indeed to you as well. It's really a pleasure having you on the on the podcast. I uh, can't wait uh, for you to share your story with our listeners. Exactly, and I can't wait to interact more with you. Okay, uh, we'll just dive into it, Kaluki. Um, could you tell us your story? Mm-hmm. That's a question. I think um, I do have several stories. I just like everyone else. Uh, but today, I might single out one story. And that one story is that I'm a young son of the African soil, 28-year-old uh, climate activist and environmental defender based in Kenya. And I work on the intersections of climate, nature, and uh, justice around communities uh, with several groups, but also um, working more in the environment because of the kind of upbringing that um, have been exposed to. Um, I grew up in the outskirts of Machakos, one of the more so, more or less uh, dry up, um, you know, regions in the country, and I've had to experience, you know, first and drought and. Uh, you know, deforestation in my community and sort of this uh, led me to want to, you know, understand how the environment interacts and how we can create safer communities, safer environments for everyone to thrive in. And so I believe this is a story that has made uh, the young person that I am today. Wow, fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kaluki. And I'm curious to, to know what really drives your passion for environmental justice and environment uh, generally, Kaluki? Thank you. I would say simply put, um, what drives me into environmental and climate spaces is the simple fact that, um, you know, we need nature more than nature needs us. And right now we are are living on the, you know, know, horizons and and the times of climate crisis and uh, environmental degradation. So then if I cannot do my little thing to protect and put a voice to nature, then I'm actually missing the point. And if I can't really safeguard the future of um, the coming generations, then I'm doing a disservice to humanity. So 
really what pushes me is that simple, uh, you know, belief that we are part of nature and we are nothing without it. And so I have to put some little efforts to, you know, contribute towards uh, protecting the environment and, and, you know, making it better than I found it. Fantastic. And talking of putting effort and contributing to the environment positively, Kaloki, you, I understand that you have uh, various initiatives that you help run. Um, could you tell us more about the initiatives and the kind of programs you are involved in? Indeed. Thank you for that. So I'm part of several initiatives or organizations that I work with to push the environmental agenda, not just in Kenya, but also across Africa. One of those is uh, Kenya Environmental Action Network, where I'm the executive director and the co-founder. And basically, uh, Kenya Environmental Action Networks exist to bring together environmental and climate enthusiasts in the country to discuss policy, action, and, and create a space to really network with one another, share understanding on what we are doing and how we can improve on local efforts, while at the same time bringing on board you know, stakeholders like government and private sector to help communities at the grassroots to achieve more. And through this, actually, we've, uh, we've tweaked together a key program called uh, the Keen Bustani Gardens, which really leverages on uh, the power of you know, experiential conservation uh, education in schools and communities, uh, you know, to create a space for learners to understand more on how we relate with nature and how nature feeds us and how then we can really work together to protect the environment that we to feed our communities. So that is about Kin, and then I'm also Africa Director at uh, Youth for Nature, which is an international uh, youth-led organization that mobilizes and educates young people uh, on the nexus of climate and nature while you know, seeking justice. Uh, since 2019, uh, we've been pushing on the nature-based solutions agenda and in Africa specifically focusing on uh, restoration, which is a big thing uh, that we really want to achieve, noting that Sub-Saharan Africa is expected to expand, you know, by, by the turn of the century. So if we can't empower young people and, and leverage on the local initiatives that they are doing, then we are going to really, um, you know, end up more destroyed Africa. So then land restoration for us at Youth for Nature becomes a pivotal um, program to work on and really do outreach to see what young people are doing and how we can then use Youth for Nature as a platform to amplify these stories, to connect with them and to link them up to other initiatives or sort of resources that can help them to scale up the initiatives and share common understanding across the spaces. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Kaluki. And uh, totally agree with you on that one too. Um, and I'm really glad that you're also banking, you know, on, on young people, you know, and on the talent, on the enthusiasm and the energy of young people to drive, you know, climate action. And according to you, Kaluki, what is the role of the youth uh, in fighting for climate justice? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thanks for that. Um... And, and, and before I answer this, I want to uh, say that I know I'm not a monopoly of power or even better place to uh, give a youth voice, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> like represent every young person. But I think that there are several things that young people can do and their role in this climate and environmental space. Um, and one of those I think we've already seen is the question of activism. For yeah. me, I believe any society that lacks activism or the power of activism is a failed society. Why? Because I don't think we have any 
perfect system, right? And so in our imperfections, we always have to have people that um, will create create aggression to demand and push our leaders and, and other stakeholders uh, to their limits, really, while while demanding for change. And that is what I, I think young people are doing, and we continue to show them through the Fridays for Future, through uh, you know the Rise Up movement, other pricing organizations like Kenyan Environmental Action Network. And so we cannot uh, underestimate the power of activism. Um, another role, I believe, is um, leadership. And we are seeing young people starting organizations, um, creating initiatives, um, you know, innovating solutions for community uh, problems, young people coming together to form businesses, enterprises, and also really leveraging on the power of um, community development uh, while banking on and uh, land restoration is a, is a means to really uh, safeguard the communities. So yeah. that bit of leadership is one role that young people can and are actually doing uh, on the ground to tackle climate um, crisis and biodiversity loss. Uh, another role I do believe, actually know that um, research, um, you know, that we come in with this bit of innovation as young people and we have time. Uh, we have the energy. So again, you know, uh, putting some energy into research and, and new studies to understand what is happening to our environment and yeah. how we can how we can really then go to the communities and grassroots to educate and learn with them. Right at times, I think research has been put one way that we go and teach or we go and investigate but it could be the other way around that actually we go and learn from communities who are doing wow. so much in the climate space and yeah. then i believe young people with our energy uh, enthusiasm innovation and creativity we can really leverage on the power of our research to address the climate crisis of our times fantastic thank you thank you so much for that kaluki let's switch on gears now and talk a bit about cop 26 um we are all aware that it happened uh, last year um in in glasgow um, and Kaluki, you you are very uh, fortunate to be there, you know, uh, to to delegate some of and to 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 appear in some of the conversations and to 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 also you know hear and network, you know, with the other you know stakeholders in all these sphere. And uh, how did according to you, how did COP twenty six play out in Glasgow in terms of commitments, countries' targets, and the climate pact? <laughs> Wow, interesting. Um, I think like like every other young person who was at uh, COP26 in Glasgow, um, I'll join in saying that I, I don't think it was a successful conference, sorry to say, but I'm not <laughs> sorry. And, and, and you know, this is because, do, do you know now, just think, think of it, it's been 26 years of negotiation and you ask yourself, negotiating for what? Should we even be discussing on why we should negotiate for the, you know, protection of our common home, you know, planet Earth. Should we be doing this or should we be putting more action? So COP26 was more of like, you know, again, all leaders coming to a global stage to, you know, again, engage in the same old speeches, um, you know, very fancy and what I call romanticized um, engagements and um, side tables discussing on how we're going to fuck up our environment and, and the world. And, yeah. and that really, really, it, it's, it's a good, big question to how we run these uh, climate negotiations. And But I do think there were some achievements regardless uh, in terms of 
you know, right now we're talking about the Paris uh, rulebook being complete, you know, with the text on Article 6 on carbon, uh, you know, and, you know, non-market and market mechanisms to uh, carbon offsets and programs. Yes. So right now, you know, the, the, the rulebook and the mechanism as the question of how do then um, the parties, in this case, our countries move forward beyond the commitments and beyond this written text into action, right? Right now we yes. do have less than 10 years, right? <laughs> uh, in, in terms of the, you know, sustainable development goals agenda. And so countries must shape up and really put more action on, on you know, achievement, achievement of um, the Paris roadbook and, and uh, sustainable agenda towards 2030. I do mm -hmm. think for young people really, um, it was a good space uh, and for indigenous communities really we saw how uh young people actually came together on the streets and we pushed world leaders beyond their limits and and we stormed into events we 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 called out fossil fuel investors who had actually also supported some of these conferences yeah. a, a glasgow conference to be exact and 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 this i think was a win for the global community just seeing on the power of young people uh, we've seen many commitments like the deforestation uh, pledge. I think that that was around some 14 uh, billion, uh, if not 14 trillion um, euros that have committed, right, to help stop and halt deforestation. And so these are many, what I call many romanticized uh, speeches and, and pledges that our leaders has given to us. And so um, I don't know, but this is a time to now see these commitments into action and how we can actually follow up and see the money action and see the networking between government communities and um, other stakeholders towards implementation and actually also how do we link COP26 to COP27 which is actually happening in Africa this year wow, and so wow, this wow. has to be a moment of truth it has to be a moment of action and it has to be a moment of um, action True. It's implementation, implementation. We need to see more action on the ground, really. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that, Kaluki. Um, Kaluki, and according to you, what are the key drivers uh, to climate change in Africa? You mentioned that COP26 is coming to Africa. Um, with Africa's population also expected to double up by 2050 to around 2.5 billion people, we we are witnessing habitat loss, you know, um, uh, you know, a scramble for, for land, you know, uh, competing of needs between people and wildlife. We are also seeing climate change drive people to extremes. We have had drought in Kenya over the over the past one year and it's it's the the, the results are catastrophic, Kaluki. Um what are the key drivers uh, to climate change uh, according to your experience? Exactly. And and I think you've actually attributed some of this uh <laughs> in your question. And and actually um when I discuss this issue, number one, I know people, uh, when we, we, we are talking and bringing Africa into the table, uh, people attribute, uh, you know, of a population to be one of the causes of climate change. But I want to say that I don't believe, I strongly um, believe that overpopulation is not an issue in Africa. We have other regions like <clears throat> Asia that are really overpopulated and, and this um, is not, you know, to be subject to, um, you know, climate change, right? I, I believe we can still be um, growing as a, as a human species, but still manage the environment. But regardless, climate change in Africa is also 
connected to human activities, one of them being, um, you know, illegal logging. And I'm seeing how forests are continually being um, cut down and, and protected areas being opened up for either intensive agriculture or other land-scale uh, industry, industry um, yeah. activities. And, and, you know, this exposes most of our environment to, um, you know, you know altered climate, altered, uh, you know, um, environments. And this is a factor really contributing to climate change. Um, you know, agriculture is another sector that is really contributing to climate change. We're talking about people, you know, pumping lots of uh, synthetic chemical fertilizers into their soils. And, and this results in, um, you know, the, the death of the microbial um, component of the uh, soils that really contributes to capturing of the carbon uh, from the atmosphere, yeah. right? And all these practices really lead to, um, they put more pressure on the soil then we can't sequester or capture carbon and, and therefore being a key driver to, um, you know, climate uh, change in Africa. But the one main thing that I think is a key driver is also like uh, poor leadership. Um, mm -hmm. We see how, um, no, there is a lot of financing really even from our own countries, you know, to potentially curb our climate change and all this, but, um, you know, due to poor leadership and inadequate resource allocation, right, we, we, we see uh, communities being subjected into poverty and therefore having to run to nature is their first result to, um, you know, uh, you know, engage in economic, uh, you know, um, development for instance yeah. cutting trees to um you know get a livelihood or growing um crops at the expense of nature and and or engaging in you know large livestock production really to make an extra dime so all these are as a result of poor leadership and therefore it links to climate um crisis being exacerbated across africa and i think wow. these are some of the yeah. things that we need to be uh, keen on as, as a continent and as leaders and then seeing how do we um, approach that bit of anthropogenic causes of climate change and, and therefore linking it to leadership and how we can uh, pragmatically uh, utilize the power of leadership to tackle climate change. Wow. Talking of leadership and equal representation, Kaluki, and, uh, you know, helping local people understand what we mean by climate change, what we mean by 1.5, what we mean by, uh, you know, the goals that we are setting towards, you know, reducing, you know, carbon emissions and everything, Kaluki. Um, uh, we, we, we've all had talk about, uh, you know, in, including the indigenous people in climate change action, you know, um, taking that action to the community. Kaluki, uh, where do you, where 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 do the local community come in in this conversation? Mm -hmm. That's a big question. Where do local communities and grassroots come in? Do you, do you know um, local communities control a huge proportion of like what is now the protected areas and 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 um, green spaces across the world today? And I think the the simple logic is these people are the first line of defense uh, in their own uh, territories. Yeah. They are people who've actually been custodians and protected their spaces uh, across centuries up to now. So when we discuss climate change and, and, and environmental action that needs to be um, you know, enhanced, we can never forget the role of indigenous communities because they understand the local 
and indigenous uh, knowledge, otherwise local science uh, across the ecosystems and the changing weather patterns, they understand how to predict seasons, how to um, protect and cushion themselves from effects, or uh, you know, environmental catastrophes and everything. And so this is a huge um, knowledge that you cannot afford to lose. And, and therefore we need to include uh, local knowledge and indigenous um, communities really when it comes to talks and conversations around climate change and, and what we can do really to address the same thing. And, and just to um, quickly highlight that right now, the world is talking about the, you know, mission 30 by 30, where uh, world leaders want to push for the protection of 30% of all land and uh, sea spaces by the year 2030. Wow. And not that a huge part of what I've just said is that really this land is all held by you know indigenous communities so if we think about this 30 by 30 we cannot think about it without really putting uh, grassroots and indigenous communities at the center of this conversation and remembering that actually there's been a lot of injustice that has been happening and a lot of killings and violation of indigenous communities and you know taking away of their territories right uh, and this needs to be addressed when we talk about um, climate engagement so definitely definitely indigenous communities have a huge stake and a huge role to play uh, when it comes to uh, climate change engagements in the world thank you for that thank you for that kaluki and as we come to a close of uh, as we near the close of this uh, you know important conversation uh, we all believe i believe uh, sorry that uh, change begins with an individual, change begins with me, change begins with you. Um, what do we need to do really at individual level, you know, to keep 1.5 alive and to reduce our individual impact, you know, um, mm -hmm. to climate change? Uh -huh. Wow, wow, fantastic question. And I, I agree with you, like we both need individual and systemic change. And there's a lot that every single person can do to really put uh, their beats forward to tackle and, and you know curb climate change effect. One of those I believe is moving beyond um, this aurora kind of a world into reality and just allow yourself to go out, interact with nature, with wildlife and feel your environment, you know? So getting out of your, you know, house or the enclosed spaces and into nature would allow you the first step to actually appreciate the true value of power of nature really and see uh, what is happening to the natural world. The next thing I believe is then how do we uh, start acting once you expose yourself to the environment and what is happening to it then you can actually start seeing what are some of the issues affecting the environment if it's plastic pollution you are the consumer and you are like, you know, a party to pollution. So how do you reduce plastic pollution? How do you transition to, you know, green consumption? How do you uh, think of creating solutions and innovations that will, you know, help eliminate plastic pollution, right? Um, yeah. So that bit of uh, then moving beyond imaginations to action is very important and every one of us can be part of that. I believe um, the role of, human societies um, and storytelling really, uh, it's an important one that we are a social species. And so creating this space to, you know, engage in dialogues and understanding what everyone is facing and what issues are affecting us in the climate um, crisis. And for yeah. us in Africa, you know, issues of adaptation and really a resiliency building that 
being able to converse with one another is a very important step to really help, um, you know, concert our different efforts really into climate sure. action. And lastly, I think um, then leveraging you know, on the power of partnership, um, you know, as a wow. person, try to connect with someone else and use their resource and, and comp- give them your resource to see then how much you can further this discussion of climate change. Yes. And that becomes very important because I believe, Diblex, if we are not connected in that way, then we will not achieve much uh, as a global community. We will not achieve much uh, in terms of climate action as a continent. So we do need to act individually, but also act systemically um, to be able to leave behind a better future for the future. Indeed, indeed. I agree with you. And the biggest challenge we have is really to change hearts and minds of people and bring them into this conversation and inspire action, you know? And um, Kaluki, how can our listeners support you in advocating for climate justice in the different, you know, organizations you represent and in, 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 in the various places that you have influence? How can our listeners plug in and, you know, support you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that several ways that um, everyone listening to this podcast can support and collaborate with us. And one of those is, um, through the King Bustani Gardens that I've just mentioned that we really want to roll out across schools and all the seven counties in Kenya. We want to be able to reach to every learner and really create um, this amazing Bustani Gardens, which are actually sort of like mini forests, uh, food forests and, and um, like green hubs in, in schools to help us understand one another when it comes to environmental education, but also to help us deliver some sort of, you know, advice and guidance to young people on how to be best custodians of nature. So if you want to support us or engage with us on that particular program, uh, please write to us at keen.network at gmail.com or write to me specifically at motukupol72 at gmail.com. In Africa, if you want to engage on, um, like, or, or collaborate with us on our restoration agenda and uh, achieve for nature level, then write to us at uh, kaluki at youthfornature.org and we'll be happy to see how we can leverage on the power of connections to really drive the Africa agenda, the restoration agenda and the climate action agenda forward and really making sure that we leave behind a better future for the current and for the future generation. And I do want to hope that everyone listening to this can really support um, all the climate works being done by young people, by communities, by indigenous, but and by podcasters like QD Blackstreet to wow. help push forward <laughs> this agenda. Sure, sure. We need all hands on deck on this one, Kaluki. What a guest, what a brilliant, brilliant uh, conversation we've just had. Thank you. Thank you so much for gracing this podcast and for sharing your story. Thank you so much, Kaluki. Thank you and have a wonderful time. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, our listener, for being part of this great conversation. And if you love listening to this podcast, remember to subscribe on your favorite listening app for free today. Please be sure to rate and review us. The reviews helps other listeners to find us. Let us also know what you like best about this podcast. And always remember that the conservation conversation is for everyone. Stay safe and stay blessed. Goodbye.